Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Michael Levine, head of enterprise sales for Australia at LinkedIn about the trends that Michael is seeing emerging from 2020. And also we're going to talk about a report that the LinkedIn team has recently published called The Age of Agility, which looks at the five main trends for technology marketers. The exciting thing is that this report is one of the first ones that is not a global report, but it's specifically for the Australian market. And I I love when I come across Australian specific content. So I'm super excited to talk about this. Michael, let's dive in. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. Thanks for having me. No, as I said, I'm really excited. And I feel like you and the team at LinkedIn have a, you have a unique view into the B2B world, right? And what is happening in that space. Either it's both unique and you probably see things earlier than other people. Uh, so, So super excited to talk about this, right? The first thing that I want let, to let's, let's start with is let's touch on some of the high level trends that you're seeing coming out of coming out of the uh, in the market in the B2B space from, from yeah. 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes without saying that 2020 was a watershed year for the world of work. And so many of us experienced significant change in both our personal and professional lives. And I think businesses in particular were under enormous pressure to adapt and pivot at the drop of a hat. And analysts have already characterized COVID-19 as the great accelerator, um, a period that brought so much transformation that we're unlikely to ever experience again in our lifetimes, or that I certainly hope we never experience again in our lifetimes. But, you know, B2B has been moving digital for many years. Back in 2017, reports were finding that, you know, one in five buyers said they'd rather not meet in person and would prefer to speak to vendors virtually. So, you know, you jump forward to the trends that we're seeing now and you have Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, writing to shareholders saying that it's those businesses who are fortified by technology that are the ones who are the most resilient and the most capable of transforming when faced with these sweeping changes. And that's that's agility. You know, the, the key word for us is, is agility. And I think Forrester Research agrees that embracing and emphasizing um, the importance of agility is the number one strategy that B2B CMOs are not talking nearly enough about. So agility powered by technology is where we find ourselves at this moment in time. Got it. Okay. Now I know there are five areas that that really the report focuses on, right? Let's let's before we dive in some of the some of the nuances of of those five 
you want to maybe give us a quick overview of what those fives look like and and then and then i want to i want to get into the details yeah i think <laughs> oh the joys of of b2b as a marketer i mean i it's it's the complexities right the complexities of who so the first trend is the who has evolved that the buying committee has evolved in its its structure the second is you know how you're able to influence in such a long journey means that there is an increasing role in early stage consideration and awareness through brand building that buyers are fickle <laughs> is a trend that there are multiple motivating factors in the decision around purchasing B2B technology. And, you know, the, the, there's different sources of trust and, and reference points for buyers along that decision-making journey. Um, and then ultimately, that when, when I decide to purchase a tech, uh, a purchase, I'm, I'm looking to drive an outcome beyond just driving, you know, a, a product decision and the more that we as B2B marketers can ground ourselves in an understanding of what that outcome is for a buyer, the more successful we are in building that relationship and growing our business as a result. Got it. I love it. I think I think those are those are very interesting topics. And and just like you mentioned, I think they're always there. And 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 what happened is they just accelerated or or were were exposed to a degree that they were not exposed. So let's let's talk about buying centers, right? Let's talk about buying communities, uh, buying committees. What 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 are what are some of the you know research that you and the team have done? What what does that show in there? And what what is uh, what is your take on on the changes on that front? Yeah, I mean, as I said, the the buying committee composition has evolved, which means that who you think your customer might be. And those who are influencing the purchasing decision may be actually really different. Technology buyers in Australia, we found, are more than, much more than just IT decision makers. Um, and our survey revealed a continued expansion of non-IT functions who are sitting at that table and influencing that purchase decision. And it's actually the revenue generating functions who are influencing and who have a voice in a much greater capacity than ever before. So it means that business development, finance, sales, and marketing, are, you know, people who are ultimately using these technology enabled tools uh, are sitting at the table and 70% of decisions uh, made by those with functions outside of IT. So IT becomes more of this Sherpa or guide in the decision-making process. And, and that has an implication for B2B marketers who are looking to influence, influence that purchase decision. That's that's very interesting. And I think you know a lot of a lot of people in tech are like, we got to get the CIO. Got to speak to the CIO, right? And, and I think that's uh, that's an interesting shift that uh, that they talked about. The other thing that that report touches on quite extensively is the the importance and and the 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 extra importance of brand. What's what's that about? Yeah, our research 
it was quite clear and um, what resonated was that far more of decision makers are spending time in these active early stages in the process, meaning that awareness and memorability is what's most important. So we found that over 50% of Australian tech purchasing journeys extend well beyond one year. So it's it's a long decision and it's therefore not surprising to me that marketers often struggle to measure the impact of brand and of their efforts in, in all senses. But what's interesting is that the research also showed that more buyers are becoming self-directed. So one in three will have already conducted an independent assessment of of you before they reach out. So if I'm only running a really aggressive direct response strategy, then I'm probably missing the bigger opportunity to influence decision-making, to build recognition, to create credibility at that early stage. And what we find in B2B is that the campaigns that are designed to increase your share of mind in a marketplace are the ones that are the most effective. So the more famous that they make a company, the better the business results. And it's understandable, right? You you think about your own day-to-day experience. You can only retain so much content. You are seeing content from numerous sources at, at all points throughout the day. And marketers really need to understand that and aim for fame in order to maximize business growth. Got it. And it's, and it's so hard, you know, brand direct marketing is a lot in, in many ways is a lot easier. It's, it's hard still to do it correctly, but, uh, but brand is just this, this beast that everybody talks about. Everybody's like, it's important. And, uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's very few people who've figured it out and have cracked the code with, uh, with how to approach it. And I think, and I think, you know, the whole culture of everything has to be measurable makes it really hard because brand in so many angles, so many aspects is, is not measurable, right? Your attribution tools are not going to work for, uh, for to say, you know, this is, this is what happened on this front. Yeah. My, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say my team spend a lot of time connecting what can be really siloed marketing functions of, hey, I'm in a brand team, I have awareness goals, or I sit within the performance of the business, so I'm tasked with lead generation activities. And my team's role is to bring those siloed functions together and understand the impact that brand is having on-demand efforts. We can actually show you know, how the increase in frequency and the touch points at which at which you're hitting a prospect across that journey, the different pieces of content that you might be serving, the, the brand awareness messaging or the lead nurture efforts that you might have in market, how each time you touch someone more frequently, it increases the propensity of them to become a buyer. Yeah, love it. Love it. 
Yeah, on, on that note of talking about attribution and understanding, you know, where customers are are uh, engaging with us and, and the number of touch points and so on and so forth, I think another area that the report touches on is the sources of information that that customers, prospects, buyers are using to kind of make decisions. Those those buying decisions uh, of whether we're going forward with it with a prospect or not. And I think that's a really hot question. And I want to and I want to bring that up and ask you if like, what are you, what have you and the team seen in terms of the sources of information that, that buyers are using to, uh, to kind of make a decision on a purchase? Yeah, it's a great question. I think ultimately it comes back to trust. Our research suggests that while you might believe that you have a truly best in class offering, buyers aren't just going to take your word for it which means that your website is not the place that they're going to first and foremost to make this decision. It's not the ultimate source of truth. So you would imagine then that advertising and our paid efforts are a big awareness driver in how they find information about you and your products and services. And it, and it is. Our research said it's the second largest driver. But the number one driver is professional peer validation. One in two buyers said that peer validation is the primary vehicle for increasing trust in a product. So marketers need to harness you know, the potential of social proof and community, whether it's in real life or online community in order to drive that increased knowledge of their products. And the questions I would be sitting down and asking my marketing team would be, well, what are the ways that we can spark a virtual water cooler conversation about our brand? What are the fun light moments that can help us build this community of fans that will evangelize for us? These sound like afterthought ideas, but actually, if you place peer, professional peer validation as the number one influencer in building trust and uh, trusted information about you, then you really should be asking these questions. I worked in higher education and marketing for many years, and I think there's lots of similarities here with university's alumni. As a prospective student, I want to know what it will feel like to study. And if I invest a couple of years of my life in studying, what are the career outcomes that it might lead to? And so, you know, for university's brand, their alumni are an incredibly important part of making that brand more compelling. And I think the same is very true in B2B tech marketing as well. Yeah, very true. Very true. And and I definitely feel that's an element that it's even stronger in Australia than other other places, that element of, of peer validation. And uh, and I know, you know, some of our clients that we work with would look at an account of whether we're targeting about targeting that account or not. And they're like, you know what? Don't worry about that. That account, you can only get in through a GSI, through a global service integrator, Deloitte, you know, KPMG, you know, one of those guys. They need to recommend you. And that's how you would be able to get into that account. And we don't want to waste kind of marketing energy 
at least not the heavyweight work on them because it's very hard to to get in without a, a peer recommendation. And I think it's just it's just so strong in Australia. And and you have you have, you personally have the experience working with you know both in in, in the U.S. and New York and, and in Australia. What what are your thoughts in terms of comparison? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think uh, we talk a lot about you know market size and the ability to to go after you know the the very different scale there. But fundamentally, there are more similarities than there are differences. I think you know in a, in any competitive marketplace, there are the same focuses on these short term metrics that we that we chase down in the as marketers versus the true north that we aspire to which is driving business outcomes and so yeah you know while there are more vendors and more players in a US marketplace potentially i think australia has a a really wonderful collaborative landscape of people who who kind of want to help one another do well and succeed. So that's that's been a lovely thing to come home to. Got it. Got it. Last thing I want to talk about is um, actually one before last. Uh, I want to touch on two things. One is one is around the the motivating factors for B two B buyers. What what are you seeing from that perspective? Yeah, I <laughs> I said before that humans are fickle. And I, th- I think B2B buyers are particularly very paradoxed in their, in their hierarchy of needs. And um, what our research said is that often they have competing motivations and interests and priorities. So, you know, while B2B buyers said in the report that they want the innovation and flexibility that's offered by a challenger brand. So give me something new, please help me innovate through working better or smarter. They also ultimately seek the experience and reliability that comes from working with well-known vendors. So price is still a key factor and there's no shock there, but also buyers ultimately want value. So how will you support me and my needs post-sale? How can you offer custom versatility or you know, do you even really understand my needs? So you start to piece it together and you have one, lots more people involved to a much longer decision process. And three, this varied number of needs that's often mapping back to varied stakeholders. And I think that's where it starts to get really interesting as a B2B marketer if you get any of this wrong. Because when we asked buyers about a purchase that they've made or that they intend to make, most fall back on familiar vendors. Two in three buyers in APAC remain hesitant to try a new product or an entrant for a software or hardware purchase. So there, there are still, you know, a middle section of folks who remain neutral, which is encouraging that there's opportunity there, but fewer than one in three buyers overall are really ready to embrace and would follow through on awarding, you know, their business to a new entrant. And I think that's why demonstrating value and relevancy is really critical for a B2B brand. Yeah. And I think it comes back to brand as well, you know, right. of building that brand. And, and uh, I mean, less than one, 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 three are willing to consider 
So that doesn't mean that you're going to buy, mm-hmm. uh, right? So that number is probably going to be smaller. And it's, uh, it just shows how, the, how the, the main player in a space is going to eat up 70, 80% of the market and, uh, and how building a brand is, is crucial and differentiating or, or dis- distinguishing one's, uh, one's brand has become so crucial for different organizations. So uh, I, that's, that's a very interesting point and, and it's really cool to put numbers on it. Let's talk about the last point. The last point is, is outcome versus products, right? What is that about? And, and shed some light on that for us. Absolutely. What, what really shone through in our finding was that Australian buyers are thinking beyond the initial outlay. They are ultimately investing in an outcome and not in a product. So understanding that outcome, that ultimate need is the critical purchase driver. 44% of buyers selected a vendor based on the understanding of their needs. That's pretty significant. Like it's not just price, but it's, do you get what I'm trying to achieve through this interaction and this exchange? And it's interesting because getting to that outcome takes time. Tech implementation and renewals at enterprise companies can take nearly a year once new technology is onboarded. Um, And that has a big impact on realizing that time to value. Ultimately, decision makers are prioritizing post-sale support and weighing their past experiences with solutions when making these decisions. So for marketers, you have to message strong service, strong support, and demonstrate that commitment to ensuring their success at right at the heart of the conversation in your brand building, in your sort of influencing and and capturing at the early stages. I think just as a last thought, On that, another good idea would be to leverage an ABM strategy to help with the upsell, cross-sell piece um, by building visibility of your solution's business impact. So the more that you can reinforce through case studies and that value impact creation that you've achieved, the more you do that within an existing customer base, that will also help boost retention. Now, those are most of the questions I wanted to ask, Michael. But, you know, I have, I have a few rapid questions I want to ask you. And before we get there, is there anything else that, you know, maybe I didn't ask or I didn't cover, we didn't cover that you think it's important from, from some of the trends that you're seeing? To, no, to I think just all, all I would say is, you know, the age of agility is a, is a wonderful piece of research that we conduct every year and have done for a while into tech B2B purchase decision making. We have some great research and insights across all B2B that I would encourage anyone in marketing to to visit our Marketing Solutions blog to check it out because um, there's some really great insights there and through our B2B Institute as well. Got it. Well, um, well so so what, what's, what's the best for if anybody's interested to get the report and have a look at it themselves, what's the best place for them to, uh, to go? Yeah, you, you can go to business.linkedin.com and navigate to our Marketing Solutions blog, or you are most welcome to connect with me uh, on LinkedIn as well, and I can help point you in the right direction. 
Super. All right, we'll put we'll put uh, both of those links your your profile and the uh, and and the uh, business.linkedin.com in the in the in the show notes as well. So if anyone is interested, can definitely do that. Now before we wrap up, I got a couple of rapid questions for you. All right. The first thing I want to ask is what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has fundamentally changed the way you work and live. It's probably a boring answer, but Calm, the Calm app has really changed the way that I live. <laughs> sleep, sleep is so critical to how we function, you know, mentally and physically. And like many people, I have so much running through my head at the end of a really busy day. The Calm sleep stories over the last 18 pretty crazy months has been a very, very welcome addition to uh, the way that I live. I love it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, sleep is, I think it's, it's one of those, it's, it's in the top three things one, one has to take care of. Right. Okay. Question number two, if you could give only one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? I, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see B2B marketers making is that they try to measure their marketing investment in too short a term. And they have this really short-term look-back window that ultimately leads to short-term thinking. And it's driving this sort of mentality of cheap clicks to get a website visit volume or cheap cheap leads effectively. And I want to achieve my scorecard of lead volume or website visits. And that's not really connected to driving business outcomes. And I think that's where marketers detach themselves from being a value creation arm of, of a business. So really coming back to the length of the buying cycle in B2B ultimately opens up a much more holistic conversation about the role of brand, the role of content to influence, and of course, those DR and lead nurture efforts. And I think that it also means that you challenge your team to measure with a much greater view of the big picture and that your attribution becomes much more sophisticated. Love it. Okay, question number three. Well, who are some of the influencers you follow in, in the marketing and sales space? I would plug the B2B Institute from LinkedIn again. Uh, there's some great thought leadership there. We also work with a number of fellows, some partners in the industry who are, who are great. Mark Ritson locally is a good read. Rob Norman, Fran Cassidy. Um, there's lots of lots of great insights from those uh, those leaders as well. That's awesome. Last question: What's something that excites you about B two B today? Oh, just bringing joy and bringing fun back to the B2B brand. You said before, like getting getting your head around how to do brand well in B2B. I love that concept of aiming for fame as a key requirement for B2B marketers. We work really closely with Zero, the accounting um, software provider, both here in Australia and globally. And, and I think some of the work that Zero is doing to mobilize this army of, of zero geek fans is really fun and really impressive. And I think that, you know, their campaign that they have out recently, you know, is this idea of the emotional tax return. 
And it's born out of the insight that SMB owners are so robbed of a personal life because they're so heavily invested in their businesses. And so zero is, you know, giving away money to give small business owners, you know, uh, emotional expense or tax return for that time that they invest in their business. I just think it's, it's smart. It comes back to a customer insight. It um, brings levity and fun to a pretty dry B2B space. And ultimately, it differentiates them. And, and I think that that's, that's the joy of B2B marketing that we could all use a lot more of. Got it. Michael, this has been awesome. I, uh, I, I think there was a lot of uh, golden nuggets and insight that you dropped during the podcast. I think a lot of the audience are going to very much enjoy the conversation. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. We'll see you around. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack growthcolony.org forward slash slack thanks again for all the support and we're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one